His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. Kia ora, kia ora. Kia ora, everybody. Welcome to Rebet Live, episode 319 on Today FM. Hope your Saturday is going well. I just heard the weather there. It sounds like it's pretty cold and miserable and dreary. I'd like to apologise because I've been in the sun all day golfing in California. It's been glorious. <laughs> uh, coming live from San Francisco, today on the show, we talk about a couple of quick things. We've got, we talk commerce, we talk community, we talk culture. The reason of why we do all that is it was a cool little intersection between uh, the simple idea of New Zealand wins when New Zealanders win. Coming up on today's show, just the man the man who loves helping New Zealand businesses grow rapidly, grow rapidly, is Cal Panaho joins me. Also, uh, Learn Share Repeat today, we are very lucky to have the CEO of Yellow New Zealand, Tracy Taylor, join us. And we'll be finding out what she's been listening to in the podcast world, what be- good books she's been reading. Uh, that's always a good one to check out. And then we're talking burnout and workplace wellbeing after one o'clock. You know, a bunch of lockdowns put everyone in the mix and now everyone's getting back into the swing of things. Are they being burnt out? Uh, that has the headspace and all that stuff. Uh, what are some of the, the other? Uh, what are some of the worst sectors for staff reporting being overworked and stress? And what ways can bosses improve well-being in the workplace? So I'll be talking to Jane Kennelly from Skills Consulting Group. We've got Young Bucks talking to a whole bunch more crew. It's going to be a good show. I hope Saturday's going good. You can text me through for any thoughts or feedback on three nine two zero. The number to call is oh eight hundred today FM. If you want to ring up and say what up, let's get into the show. The time now is twelve oh five pm. Bet live on today FM. To kick off the show, my first guest is Kyle Panajo. He's an entrepreneur and self-taught growth hacker. He's the co-founder of a digital growth firm, KJ Growth and Rugby Brooks, which is a rugby kicking tee and coaching program. And also, most recently, he was awarded the um, the Waita Award for Business and Innovation. Basically, he's a weapon in the world of of business, technology, and all sorts. Welcome to the show, bro. How are you? Thank you for having me. I, th- I think we should have started first, mate. You're, you're ringing in from Dirty Dirty Dunners. How horrible and miserable is it there today? And are you still excited to be living in Dunedin? What What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's, you know, if you'd called me yesterday, you would have been right. But today it's actually Dunner Stunner. So I'm looking out. It's an incredible day and we've got a fair bit of sunshine. So the rare chance that happens here. Okay, you get you get one of the, th- the three wins for the year. I'll let you have that. All right, so right at the start of the, the intro, uh, we talked about growth hacking. For those that aren't aware or don't know what that is, let's start off with this one. What is growth hacking? Yeah, so for anyone, and I've been asked this question a lot, especially here in Aotearoa, the concept came from a guy named Sean Ellis in the late 2000s. Basically, he didn't want to be branded as a normal marketing person who put up billboards and came up with this term to talk about how he uses digital technology to grow businesses rapidly. And so came up and coined himself as a good marketer does with another title and he used growth hacking as that. And that's been the key term for how we look at what we do, which is basically, hey, we've got a whole lot of digital tools and technologies that allow you to grow rapidly online and create money from it. And then what we do as a company is we link those tools to performance and basis and so that is your concept and that's what we do. 
So let's talk about, give me some examples. You've worked with some big brands. You've done the TikTok thing. You've worked with some, some big companies. Mm. You, you will work, a, a company does their thing. They're wanting to grow more. Give us an examples of, of how, I guess, digital marketing, these digital tools help these companies grow mm. specifically. What does that look like? Give us some, you know, Bob the Builder's listening along or don't understand digital, the, the scale of these things. Spell it out for us. Yeah, so at the moment, you know, if we look at, you know, marketing as anything that gets, or keeps customers, you want to start with that basic premise of, okay, cool, what do I need to do from there? And digital marketing and what we do in the space that we have it is we look at, okay, cool, well, if I want to find my customer online, what are the best and cheapest tools to do that? And that might be running a Facebook ad, or it might be going through and using an influencer and having them send an automated message to one of their followers that then gets them to go through and buy. And so for an example for us on the, the scale of things, the TikTok, they came to us and said, hey, we want to be able to get, you know, over 100,000 installs and we want to be able to pay you on a CPI basis, which just means a cost per install. And one of the things we came up with was saying, look, at the time we used and reverse engineered basically a big influencer on Instagram to send a message to their follower saying, hey, look at this great piece of content. Here's the first 10 seconds of it. The rest of it's on TikTok. And so that's an example of leveraging an audience that already exists finding customers and then using digital tools and technology to automate that. And so for the normal person, if we look at it on a small business scale, well, it could be just going through and understanding, okay, cool. I know that at this point in time, you know, my business needs to advertise to people. And if I'm a builder and I want to look at a local conference, it could be just running a Facebook ad during a weekend where there's lots of people in town for a business expo around building. And so that would be a really quick way to figure out, okay, this is where all my target customers are but I can get in front of them for a relatively cheap amount as opposed to paying for a billboard and then trying to hopefully pray and find that my customers see that. Mm. Very cool. So the growth of KJ, obviously you've you've been smashing it. You've now got these big global, um, global businesses and clients that you're working with. Answer me this. What's been the biggest challenge from running a digital marketing agency based out of sunny, beautiful, amazing Dunedin, <laughs> but having global businesses... <laughs> All, all over the show. How, what's been the biggest challenge of essentially running a global business from the local shores? Yeah, look, uh, honestly, everyone, when we've, everyone's just switched to our way, way of working. So in COVID, when lockdown set, everyone's like, oh, no, we've got to go online and do Zooms. We've just been operating like that for four, three or four years before that happened. So, you know, the biggest thing that came for us is a lot of people talk about, and this is where I think the digital piece comes in, is hey, you need to have a certain amount of word of mouth or in-person networking to do it. But for us, the, the biggest piece has actually not been, hey, this is a struggle operating from here, but it's actually a bit of an asset in the way that, look, I don't get caught in a comparison trap of needing to be able to go and pay for things to fly to certain meetings or go through and turn up to certain events purely because it hasn't resulted in profits for us. And so I'd look at that as their different side of thing and say, well, a lot of people would say that's been a hard part of the challenge. It's actually been an asset for us because I'm not competing with everyone else in terms of doing the normal things in terms of how they grow their networks. Mm, interesting. So obviously you just won a pretty amazing, awesome award. Tell us about it and what you feel it means for not only um, yourself but multi businesses and, and the, the, the ecosystem in general. Yeah, so it was a bit of a... Uh, there was a hell of a privilege actually to win the, the Fakata Māori Awards and the, the Waitā Award itself. So it's an award that's given out for business and innovation to Māori entrepreneurs and, you know, there's some pretty high caliber people that won the other form of the awards that evening. Uh, Lisa Carrington won the award before me in terms of sport. And so 
for me, there was there's two parts of it. One, if we look at you know the disproportionate amount of Māori in business, there's just not a huge amount of us doing it or actually in business. And so the first thing is you know showing people that hey, regardless of where you are, what you're doing, and who you are, uh, you can have a crack at this. I grew up obviously in a, a single parent household, and you know with a parent on the benefit. And unfortunately for Māori, we're disproportionately affected through typical childhoods like that. And so the first piece to show that, you know, hey, you start with not much, but you can get here. I think if I can be a role model in any sense of the word for that is a really important thing. And then the second piece is it's cool to have Tao Māori just be on a, a world stage. And the coolest piece for me is actually just being, I've picked up a course with Culture Flow. So Sarah Leo, I don't know if you know her, but basically it's led me to learn a little bit more about what it means to be Māori. For me, that's been a huge privilege. That's awesome, man. That's that's really cool. Now, part of the game is obviously networking and stuff, and you've obviously been have, learning a bunch about this, about networking and, and what your network does to help these things grow. What have you learned about, I guess, growth and networking relationships as you've, I guess, built a pretty amazing business and now scaling globally? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you've known me for a while now, but obviously I think someone who's a great example of networking is what you've done. And so I think, you know, starting out is... The first piece is just identifying people who are smart and doing the things that you want to do. And so for me, uh, being relatively introverted and not wanting to spend too much time around people, I have to do it pretty sporadically and approach my networking in that fight. But I think, you know, one of the things that you hosted was the Power Moves Retreat. And when I had a look at that there is that there's a lot of great people who I could ask really smart questions to or even just good questions to and I get a lot of smart answers. And so the first piece that I usually think about this is if you're being careful and considerate with your networking, is just choosing smart people who have done what you want to achieve. Go find them, spend some time with them. And then the second piece from there is just how do you give value back to those people? One of the things that I think when we first connected and you said, hey, look, cool to hear what you're doing, but have a read of my book and then let me know what you think. And so I was like, cool. First thing to do was to show to prove you the value. I was like, good. Went away, read it in two days, and then came back to you. And so I think when people think of networking as how do I get something out of this for me, but the first piece that I was trying to look at is like what is the value that I can provide to someone else first, mm. show that I'm valuable, and then eventually they can come back and then return that to you as well. It's such a big one that when so many people look to see what they can just literally take from, from others, and it's so been amazing obviously watching your journey and, and through, but just – seeing you in the in the weeds of this now coming to one of New Zealand's probably leaders in this whole space in terms of marketing tech and that and before you I was like, I'm interested to get into this for a second you always have your fingers on the pulse of you know digital marketing and, and all these different social channels and stuff what are you what are you seeing that you think the average Kiwi that's looking to ever you know get into advertising or digital marketing or whatever what, what do you think the future of marketing in the digital landscape starting to look like or we should be looking out for in the next 12 to 18 months? Yeah, it's a good question, bro. And I, this is the one that I sort of see that, you know, we're a little bit behind the eight ball. Really fortunate that obviously on the, the best side of living in Dunedin is that I've also got an agency office in LA where my other co-founder is. And so there's sort of three things that we're seeing there that have come up out of this. Is the first one is that if you're not using TikTok, start doing it now, figure out how to do that. And the reason you should just even be a consumer of content on TikTok is that the attention spans of everybody are just getting shorter. And so creating really rapid uh, visual short form content 
that is targeted at your customer and seeing how other people are doing that, that's a really good space to start because that's where advertising's headed. And so if you're looking at the first three seconds of anything that you're doing to be a capture and a hook to get people involved for your customer, that's where you've got to start because we're just geared now to look for really high octane, high intense content. The second, I think, on that is if we had come back to looking at TikTok is just on the edge of a lot of these things is Web3. Anyone who hasn't heard about the blockchain, learned about NFTs or learned about, you know, crypto, these will be big platforms. And I think, you know, metaverse and some of the terms that have been thrown around, there will be a lot of people heading into that direction. And then the third and final piece probably that I go through some of these other parts is just here in Aotearoa for us for looking into digital and getting through it. It's just actually understanding, you know, first and foremost, and this is the thing that we've had from running Digital Boost, which is obviously MB's program around how to educate people on digital, is actually just pulling together what makes an exciting experience for someone online. And I think people don't really understand that in terms of we have really bad websites as a country. Just actually make it so that when your customer lands on your site, that it's exciting to look at. So those are sort of three things. But the first two are the ones on the trends. The set, the last piece is just for us here. Now, the the consumption of content, the data is showing it's everything's getting shorter. Even if you look at when you open up the, uh, the YouTube app, natively on um, on your smartphone now, it instantly takes you to shorts, mm. not actually to the other ones. Yeah. And <laughs> I, I'm st- I got really intrigued when I saw that because I thought for a second, I was like, hold on, this is YouTube where you go and usually watch, you know, long uh, la- landscape <laughs> long-form content and all of a sudden it's popping up natively going, it's vertical and it's straight going into shorts, which are, and for those, if you don't know what shorts are, they're literally small little clips under, I think it's 60 seconds, I believe. So do you think yeah. that m- the majority of all the storytelling advertising dollars are just going to keep going into portrait cell phone kind of mode all in mobile all in you know like how how much more of a shift do you think this is going down to shorter not longer yeah well look if we and i'll I'll use an example so rugby bricks is our e-commerce company and we sell kicking tees and you know the majority of our traffic that we now use and then most of our growth comes from tiktok and so you know tiktok and naturally is less than 60 seconds but the traffic that we get from there is where our biggest portion of our sales come from and so if we look at that even just as a trend in terms of a commercial sense we've seen that and we're catering to that audience but the piece here is just that you have to imagine that people's we're looking and getting short hits of dopamine Mm -hmm. really quickly everything's geared to just an immediate stop us from being bored and so if you look at dating you know tinder you have three seconds on someone's profile, you swipe. And then the same thing with TikTok, if you get bored or if you're looking for the next piece of hit, you literally just swipe up and then you move to the next piece of content. And so for everyone here, if that's what you're being trained to spend your free time doing, then your advertising sort of needs to match that because it's gotta be better than the free content other people can find elsewhere. So Mm. that's where we're headed. And unfortunately it's a bad thing. Like I do not believe that's a good thing for society, but if you're looking to have to cut through the noise and make money, then you've got to look at what do you do around creating content and advertising around that. Well, when everyone's trying to advertise and if they're putting all their money into somewhere where the eyeballs aren't, if the eyeballs aren't there, it's not going to matter anywhere. They're not going to sell anything and they waste their money, right? So uh, unfortunately, exactly. I think you're probably right on that. Okay, and obviously we'll just give a plug before you bail. Uh, digitalboost.co.nz is the uh, website uh, which you've um, were mentioning before, which can basically give us a nutshell on what they can do. Yeah, so if you've 
if you're someone who's listening to this and you've thought, okay, cool, I've not really understood a word that he said then during the entire time of this conversation, a good place to start to figure out anything digital is Digital Boost. It's an education platform run by the Ministry of Business, Innovation and Employment to basically teach Kiwis how to literally from buying a domain name, so your website name, through to how to make a landing page, to how to advertise online, right through to setting up accounting systems, software, and all of those key pieces. So it's the whole introduction to digital literacy. If you've never done any of these things and you're trying to figure out how to save time in your business, make money online, or just build a website, everything is there on that platform, and it's free. You had me at free. <laughs> I appreciate it, bro. Yeah, that's why I finished with it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Hey, um, thanks so much for the time, bro. I'm super proud and, and stoked to obviously call your friend, but to see the, the wins and stuff that you've been uh, doing for for you, and and it's just amazing to see Kiwi companies going global but staying local, even if that is in the dirty, dirty south, done and done us. Appreciate your time, bro. Enjoy the weekend. Much love, mate. Talk soon. Cheers, bro. Thank you, Jess. Legend. That was Kao Panoho, the fa- uh, co-founder of K&J Growth, uh, a growth hacking firm based out of Dunners. Very cool. Not too bad when you're running a little marketing agency and you've got TikTok as a client. How cool is that? Uh, don't forget you can text me through on 3920 and the number to call if you'd like to ring up and say what up is 0800 Today FM. We definitely love your feedback. And just any other, um, if you've got any questions around the, the last interview there or any digital stuff, the link that he was saying to go to was digitalboost.co.nz. The time now is 12.20pm. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. And we're back. Rebet Live episode 319 on Today FM. Hope your Saturday is rolling. It's almost 12.30 in uh, Aotearoa and it's 5.23 here in San Francisco. It's business in a minute time. Business in a minute. Get your business better in one simple minute. This is maybe not just so much for your business. This is for maybe life in general. It's something that I use myself as well. It is called the Ivy Lee Method. What is the Ivy Lee Method, Rebet? Well, great question, mate. I'll tell you. All right, this is what it is. It's been for over 100 years and basically it's a deceptively simple and amazing way to stay highly... um, effective and prioritize your time when it comes to focus and execution of things within businesses or daily schedules. So this is how it works. You basically assign yourself no more than six important tasks for the day. You list each of them from one through six and then you work on number one and you do not go to two until you finish one. Cross it off. If you don't basically begin that next task until you've fully completed the other one, then restack it, restack it. Any unfinished tasks on top of tomorrow's list and you keep going. So you basically have this revolving thing. And obviously if one of them you keep continually not doing, obviously it's not that important. When you're running businesses and life's very busy, there's there's pickups and this and that and emails and blah, and there's so many different things which can keep you busy. Pre-stacking your time in terms of priorities is really, really important. So you are being proactive to your time instead of being reactionary to others. So this is called the Ivy Lee method. Six things, list them one to six, Finish out one, then go to two. You don't shift it, and then you restack it again. And do it every day before you start the day. Because you know how it is. You get into the office, put your little laptop up, you just start clicking send, receive, and all of a sudden it's five o'clock and you've just been doing everyone else's stuff instead of what you want to do. That's not too cool. Time to take care of yourself. Prioritize your time first with what you need to get done. And that, my friend, is the Ivy Lee method for business in a minute. That's how you get more ID business. Time now is 12.25 p.m. Bet live on today FM. All right. So, 
Now it's time for my three cents. This is when I don't give two cents, I give three cents. And what I wanted to talk about today is perspective when shit hits the fan. So today, a friend of mine from uh, down in the Tron, his name is Ash Palmer. He uh, he took his uh, family to Topo for the weekend to clear his mind. He's had a b- big couple of weeks. And then he got woken up by uh, security and police at 1.30 this morning. And basically, he runs a liquor store based down there in uh, Huntley. And they had smashed through the front of his store when he's 200 kilometres away with his family feeling absolutely helpless. So he's basically had an absolute gong show of a day. Now, I replied back and I said to him, you know, um, this absolutely sucks. you got to keep your head up, buddy. You know, today sucks, but you've got so many people that are here to support you. You can replace a door. You can replace a business. You can't, but you can't replace your, your whanau. You're with your whanau. Enjoy the time. Reset the headspace. Tomorrow's a dune day. Let's flip and go get it. And so what it got me thinking about just a little bit was actually this question of what do you do when things hit the fan? What is your process when shit hits a fan. Um, how do you have a structure of the way you go through things or do you just flip and tap out and not take things into perspective? Obviously, Ash is um, a good guy and I'm going to give him a little shout out here. Um, he runs a, another company called 8pm.co.nz, E-I-G-H-8, E-I-G-H-T-P-M, I can't even spell. Um, and the, the question is, you know, when, when things turn south for you, where does your headspace go? And everyone has bad days. And obviously Ash is having a bit of a gong show day today. And I'm stoked that at least, you know, he's with his whanau and friends and he's messaged up and he's having some fun. And the question for yourself, um, what I do that I think about is each time I get into a spot like that, I purposely and specifically detach myself from situation. I literally need to physically go <laughs> go away and then re set my headspace with what my actions I'm going to do. And I try and I try and reverse engineer where I need to build back up to and build it out. It's very tricky and it's very tough, but I know I, I need to need to do it. And so the question for today is, you know, sometimes when things go around, what is the perspective? You know, are you stoked that you've still got your phone around? Stoked you've got good friends that you can talk to? Stoked that you've you can get outside and get active, you know, go for a surf, go go onto the mountains, do something, you know? Sometimes we can get really caught up in the little things, not realizing that we've got so much other amazing stuff, you know. But once again, I am a radical optimist. I always think, you know, even if my house was burning down, I'd be like, oh, man, it's cool. At least I had a house. That was kind of cool. I appreciate that. Um, perspective. Always zoom out. Always always think of things just a, a little bit differently because obviously you're having a flip and gong show. I, everyone does. Reset. Tomorrow's a new day. Giddy up and go. After the break, it's uh, we're catching up with an absolute weapon of a weapon. His name is Nick Dalton. He is one of New Zealand's leading architects, and he is smashing it. We're going to have him on the show. I'm really, really excited about that. Time now is 12.28 p.m. Mentor. Sherpa. Counselor. Nah, just a clever guy doing cool shit. It's Rebet Live. On Today FM. Back and rolling, 12.32 in Aotearoa, New Zealand, 5.32 in San Francisco. Welcome back to Rebet Live, episode 319 on Today FM. You can find your local frequency at todayfm.co.nz or take us with you in your pocket on the phone. There's a Rover app you can download. If you want to get in touch, uh, ring through on 0800 Today FM or text me through on 3920. My next guest 
His, he goes by the name of Nick Dalton. He's one of New Zealand's top architects and he's also the, uh, co- the founder and CEO of uh, New Zealand's uh, largest Māori architecture practice and they've won awards but here both internationally, um, New Zealand and internationally. Started 12 years ago, gone from just him and a bro, now 34 staff, three offices around Aotearoa. So welcome to the show, my bro. How are you? Kia a bit. All good, man. All good. What, where are you at in Aotearoa and what's bubbling today on your Saturday? I'm on uh, Te Arai um, Arairoa, which is uh, Waiheke, uh, where I live. So, yeah, sun's out, mate. Um, just having a little smoothie on the deck. Good. <laughs> there you go. Hey, so I want to get, get into this. You've uh, been able to grow a pretty incredible practice, obviously one of New Zealand's top New Zealand's top architects, sorry, and uh, the largest Māori architecture practice in, in Aotearoa. Just how would you describe your journey to date? How would you describe it? <laughs> um, oh, just incredible. You know, every day's, uh, um, you know, there's not a, a pocket to be bored. Uh, and, and, you know, we say that we're driven by the kaupapa or the, or the, the reasons um, for doing the mahi. And so, yeah, every single day we, we meet a descendant of some Māori legend or, um, you know, someone needs um, some housing for the whānau. And so, yeah, it's, it's incredible purpose. So, yeah, that's what gets me out of bed. Now, one of the things from the in the creative world is it's very tricky when you run the intersection of creativity of things to be designed and stuff that exists in your mind to actually turn into the real world. How have you? How do you manage that intersection of of the world of creativity of all this cool stuff that you imagine into the, I guess, the commercial realities and the physical realities of the real world? Oh, look, that's, uh, there's actually um, another couple of layers to um, our, our complexity because I think a, a traditional architecture practice, or let's say mainstream, would have those two things, creativity uh, and commerce. And I guess what we've got is uh, creativity, commerce, culture and tikanga. Uh, and, and you layer that in, into that, um, you know, uh, generations of trauma, intergenerational trauma um, from colonisation. Uh, you're kind of navigating, <laughs> you're navigating um, quite a few complexities at any given time, and um, I guess I've always loved a challenge. So, uh, uh, yeah, like I said, there's never a boring moment. So let's go there for a second, because that was my next thing I was actually getting into: is the overlapping of culture within it. How? What's the most challenging thing that you f- have found when you have to go? creativity, commerce, and obviously culture and stuff on top of that as well. How do you navigate mm-hmm. the tension of both those worlds? Um, it's, it's just you, you've got to be um, really discerning and, and kind of have eyes wide open all the time. And I think there's a, there is, I feel, um, you know, as a nation, we're, we're definitely moving from New Zealand to Aotearoa. And so, you know, we've got um, 60% Māori staff at Tōa and, and 40% um, beautiful tangata tiriti, you know, and, and they are heavy hitters. Some of them are just drive the cope up really, really hard. And so we're very, very fortunate in that position. But one of the ongoing challenges, particularly when we need external help, um, is finding that right person, you know, because there's a lot of good business people. There's a lot of, you know, tikanga uh, experts. But, you know, it is a new realm of, of um, uh, heavy hitting, you know, tikanga and and commerce coming together. But those are two um, that often, well, they've been separated for quite some time, eh? So for us, it's just kind of reinstating how, how our ancestors um, would have been, yeah, because there wouldn't have been any separation, eh? So how do you lead 
how, what do you think the biggest difference is between a Māori-led organisation and a non-Māori organisation? Are there specific things that you you craft and frame or prioritise more? Like, how do you kind of see that that whole world? Yeah, it's a good question, Brian. Um, tikanga is really important to us, and and you know, I I, I like my mother grew up in a in a Malay sort of setting, so. Um, uh, you know, I was the first generation to to not, and so we we grew up probably very similar. You were massive Māori family, um, but not potentially, you know, not really in a in a in a kind of tikanga way, or you know, uh, 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 historically, you know, tikanga way. And so I'm on that journey of learning as well. So there's lots of learning happening as well as teaching in our practice. And I think uh, open hearts, open minds. So you know, people have people's back. We have a Māori caucus that meets every week and and talk about um, issues that are important to to not only Māori externally but our but our internal whānau as well. So you know, as soon as you say culture, for so long in so many other places it was seen as a liability and now it's clearly with Māori Language Week or, you know, CEOs starting to take on pledges to do it, the integration of um, te reo into businesses and stuff like what do you think is growing, what's causing this growing, this massive growing interest within Māori culture, especially within businesses I, I just, I think um, I was talking to uh, uh, an advisor this morning and he's also becoming a friend and, and I guess that one of the things that um, people love narrative and they love um death is the wrong term but it's it's kind of like a powerful in Māori them it's called pūrāko which is a which is a truthful story based on history you know and I think that the whole world it's not just Aotearoa but the whole world's just like uh, you've gone through those generations of like you know cracking it making money having the portfolio and all that and now it's kind of looking actually what can we do we need to be better for the planet we need to do all these sorts of things and we're really fortunate that you know the te ao maori world is, is is already fundamentally aligned with you know good environmental practice all those sorts of things so i think that we as a nation there's uh, it's not just a, a language thing or, or a culture thing it's actually a, a way of living and i think mm. that's what's really um it's exponential way, the drive and the and the change even in the last ten years. That's eh? it's kind of it's awesome. Well, that brings me to my next point, Nick. I was going to say when you are, you know, building your team out and you set in this culture within the organisation, you know, you've won national and international awards. You've got this this big growing practice. How do you how do you hire? Like, what do you have a bit of a framework that you kind of go through? How do you like? You should go for a couple of beers and say, "Oh, yeah, you seem pretty sweet. Let's give it a give it a nudge." Like, what do you, what do you, what's the secret sauce or, or things that have worked and haven't worked? Yeah, bro, that's that's a that's a bang on question, and I, and I'll open with this, which is 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 quite powerful. Um, I was on a um flight uh to your old hometown, bro, old Tautahi, um the other day with my daughter on my right side, and there was this lady next to me, and and I was telling her the tour. Journey just recently, um, you know, over lockdown, we've doubled in size. We were 17 employees. Now we've got um, effectively 34 on staff, which is part time and, and full time. Um, and she's sort of, wow, that's such a positive story. And it's not really the, 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 the mainstream narrative. And I saw, well, what's that? She said, well, I do redundancies and I had to let go of 100 people from one corporate. And I was like, man, my heart, my heart broke a bit, but then I was really proud. And, and then I also mm. thought, how did I recruit 17? How did we recruit 17 people uh, in over two years? And 
for us, everything's long-term. It's long-term moves, right? So it starts with um, the person and um, what are their values, um, what what drives them, what and, and you know, at Tor, everyone gives it. Um, we care, you know, like we care. It's, it's about doing things that are bigger than us. So everything's long-term for us. I mean, a lot of my staff I've known for 20 years, uh, and if not 20, you know, I met them in 10, and, and, and so we've just kept in touch. So it's it's never a short wick, you know, like, oh, we need to go and grab something. It's like try and go from the pool of what you already know and that they're ready to come when you're ready, if you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, that's huge. And before we go, Barrett, I'm keen to, to, to ask, you know, you... On a daily basis, if you got your feet on the ground, you're meeting a whole bunch of people from all over Aotearoa. What are you? What's your vision? You feel f- for a better Aotearoa right now? Um, I think just uh, have heart. You know, have have the heart. Uh, have uh, you know the, the art of fakarongo uh, mai, which is to not just to listen, but to really hear people. And mm. I think that there's a lot of wealth in this country. Um, and that wealth gap is growing, and that's a concern. But actually, you know, there are a lot of people that want to make a difference, and that, you know, that cliche of let's give back. But actually, what does that mean? You know, how do I do that? And so, um, yeah, for us, there's a massive drive in that sort of space of actually going, well, let's create, you know, one of our biggest sort of areas of, of mahi now is, is Papakainga, Māori land that has been alienated for 200 plus years. We're actually finally getting the, the instruments and devices to unlock that whenua get housing on there uh, a lot of iwi and other entities are, are actually going okay 30 percent for our people affordable 30 percent for social and then another 30 percent for the open market and that's a game changer eh? because at the moment the cost is not just the building it's the land as well so if you mm. if you get that land cost right down because it's more of a long-term lease but you own the whare it becomes truly affordable you know so, yeah, just getting more people to think outside the box. And then if there's someone, if there's a co-popper in front of you and you're unsure just because it's challenging your thinking, I just encourage you to be brave and, and go, you know what, it freaks me out a bit, but actually as long as it's all, you know, kind of figured out and, and the right people are saying, go for it, let's go. Be brave with it. Really appreciate your time, uh, Nick. Thanks for joining us. And, and um, best of luck for you and Tor as you go from, you've doubled through COVID, then who knows what's going to happen the next thing to, to the future yeah. and beyond. But I'm really <laughs> proud of all you're doing. It's super awesome. Kia ora, bro. Thank you. Cheers, Robert. There you go, Mr. Nick Dalton, one of Aotearoa's top architects from Toa Architects. Super, super cool. Time now is 12.43pm. Robert Live. Live from Silicon Valley. The hub of the tech universe. With tips on unleashing your entrepreneurial potential. On Today FM. Welcome back to Robert Live, episode 319 on Today FM. You can find out more about us todayfm.co.nz or follow us on our socials Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and the TikToks you've heard about the TikToks uh, search for Today FM New Zealand if you want to get in touch text me through it on 3920 it's learn share repeat time what is that? well we find out from some weapons in the industry what books are they reading? what podcasts are they listening to? and where are they getting the great information that's making them do even better jobs in their life already. So uh, for we are very stoked for today's guest. We have the CEO of Yellow New Zealand. I am joined, very stoked to be joined by Tracy Taylor. Kia ora, Tracy, how are you? Kia ora, Robert. I'm really good. How are you? 
I am cruising. I've had a nice sunny day over here in San Fran. We had some, we had some sun, had some golf, and it's been it's been glorious. I only cheated twelve times, oh. so I didn't I didn't count it, but it's been fine. <laughs> oh, love it! You're rubbing it in a bit. You know that we're suffering a bit with the rain here. <laughs> there you go. So thanks really so much for um, coming on the show. So let's jump into it. So firstly, obviously everyone knows the brand of Yellow Yellow Pages, the biggest directory for businesses in Aotearoa. But obviously, not many people know you actually do a lot, lot more than just potentially just being a book. So maybe let's start off with this. Tell us a little bit more about um, Yellow and what we probably don't know about what the company. Yeah, absolutely. So Yellow is now your one-stop shop for marketing needs. We have a full multi-channel solution across print and digital. Um, And yes, whilst the book is um, really important to us and still widely used across our communities, not everybody has high-speed fibre broadband pumped into their homes or laptops and mobile phones at, um, at hand. We also have a wide range of products across the digital suite. So, you know, online profiles, online stores, Google My Business, full social media suite, websites, we do data and analytics, SEO, we step a bit into business transformation and we have a wellness product also in terms of what does your people strategy look like. So a wide range of things now. But I think the key for us is that we are still affordable and we want to be really in that equitable place for all Kiwi businesses. I love it. It's super cool. So um, I want to get into this. You mentioned the word books. So let's jump into books for a second. So what books right now have you been reading or what podcasts have you been listening to? Books or podcasts? Where do you want to start? Um, Books. I love books. I'm one of those people who still buys real books. Yes. Um, Yeah. And I've got, I'm usually got about two or three on the go. I'm an avid reader. Um, So I'm reading at the moment a really interesting one called Never Split the Difference, which is by Chris Chris Voss. Voss. Yes. Go, go, go. I love it. Yeah. And he was sort of one of the best negotiators for the FBI in some of those really high level hostage situations. So I love the read. And I think a lot of it is actually really transferable to business. Mm. Um, The other one that I've read a few times and I really recommend is the Gift or the Choice by Edith Eager. So she was a Holocaust survivor. And, and the point of difference, I think, for her is that she really talks about how your own mind can actually be your biggest enemy in terms of destructive or imprisoning thoughts and mm. um, you know, how, what's some tips to really get around that and think differently. Um, and I think the other one I'm reading at the moment is Think Like a Monk by Jay Shetty love his stuff too and his comes more from a I guess a, a health or wellness space but it's really about training your mind for peace and purpose every day so those are the ones you, on the table at the moment and you forgot to mention Tracy Jay Shetty also has some of the world's most craziest deceptive eyes of all time that just like oh. trance trance you in it's so crazy that dude it's, he's nuts he's oh, super so smart though yeah. and and he's deceptively yeah. deep like when I've w- listened to a couple of yeah. his interviews he's deceptively deep okay so your three books you got is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss the um the ex uh, the, the, he was the head FBI negotiator, right, yeah. for a hostage negotiator, yeah. yep. Um, the Gift yeah. of the Choice by Edith um, Eager, and then a Think Like a Monk from Jay Shetty. Okay, those are three bangers. I've written those ones down there. And what about podcasts? Yeah. You, well, how do you split your time? You're obviously reading a bunch. Do you do miss much with the podcast world, or what are you doing there? 
Yeah, I love podcasts. They have been a wonderful invention for me because I can listen to them in the car while I'm walking and, and download a whole lot of information really easily. So the one of my favourites at the moment is The Diary of a CEO, Stephen Bartlett. Ooh, yep, Stephen Bartlett, yep, yep, yep. Love it. Yeah, so he interviews um, a wide range of people from a wide range of backgrounds, but it's quite business-focused. And he asks really probing questions, but in a really thoughtful manner, and, you, and there's always gold in every podcast that he does. Um, the other one I love is, and this is a bit more relaxing, but still, again, I think transferable in a business space, Desert Island Discs. It's a BBC podcast, and they interview, again, a whole whole range of people from you know really um, famous superstars to business people from all around the world and just get them to tell you their life story and how they've got to be where they are. Super, super interesting. Um, and I guess the other one again is, is Jay Shetty has one called On Purpose and yep. I think it's the number one house podcast. But some really interesting things there and it just brings that balance to it um, from a, a mind-body-soul perspective mm. as well. Well, I was actually just going to ask that, Tracy. It, it feels like so many of the leaders in this modern, I guess, way that we're rolling it now uh, have this kind of split between the mental stimulation of, of business and and intellectual, I guess, challenges and, and thought promotion. But then on the other side, then there's this, this emotional slash spiritual slash wellness slash balanced approach of how to do it the other side. It, it feels like we're kind of meeting a bit of a middle between business and balance, right? Do you kind of feel the same? 100% agree. And it is how I try to roll. I really think that particularly now, we have to be looking at things differently. At Yellow, we base our business strategy on equity, diversity and inclusion. And we know that the humans in our business are our key resource. So from a leadership perspective, I'm thinking all the time about actually how do we help them thrive and how do we create environments and, um, and places of thought and um, I guess high performance where we can really um, thrive because those two things, the commercials and the humans are directly connected. They're not two mm. separate things. Mm. Is there a um, is there an important kind of business mantra or something that you've you've really learned and lived by that you that you potentially either share with your team or you'd like to share with us? Is there something that that really stamps on the ground for you? Yeah, again, I um, have a lot of these in my head, but I think one of my favourite is be deliberate, not perfect. Um, that's something that I think, particularly when you've got a lot going on and you're you're juggling a few, um, <clears throat> you know, really important things is a good one to think about. And then there's a more holistic one, which I really like also, and it's, um, it starts with peace. It does not mean to be in a place with no noise, trouble or hard work, but to be in the midst of all those things and still calm in your heart. Huh. What was that last one? Is in your heart, what in your heart? Calm in your heart. Calm in your heart. Going right in the calm mm. in your heart. That's a pretty good one, right? Like, in, I mean, there is that whole thing of um, that state of flow, you know, athletes and stuff, whatever they can be, or even people on work, there's all this crazy stuff going on all around them and they can just be 
totally in the zone and totally like in sync and and even though it's chaos it's still calm it's it's that the middle of the hurricane type thing and i, I haven't seen too many people really be able to crack that so i, I definitely mess with that a lot <laughs> it's pretty good yeah completely agree and i think particularly as ceos because um or the leader of your business whatever it is you're doing or the leader of your whanau or, or whatever it is is actually there's a lot of things coming at you all the time mm. and if you can just stay in that state it's always a much better place to operate from you have better um, thoughts better behaviors and you actually get um i think buy-in much easier Mm, very cool. Okay, so really appreciate you joining us, Tracy. So we're going through the things. We've got the, the books, uh, Never Split the Difference, Chris Voss, The Gift, The Choice, Edith Eager, and then Think Like a, a, a Monk, the podcast with the diary of a CEO. It's by Stephen Bartlett yep. and On Purpose from Jay Shetty. And there's one more that you said. Yeah, Desert Island Discs. It's a BBC podcast. Okay, Desert Island Disc. Okay, done. That is yep. noted. Awesome. Hey, thanks so much for um, for joining us and enjoy the rest of the, the weekend, my friend. And um, yeah, I appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. Look forward to seeing you when you're back. Love your work. Thanks heaps, Tracy. Super cool. There we go. Uh, very. We get some awesome guests on the show. I'm very stoked that we get to just talk to weapons all day, every day. It's flipping great. Uh, Tracy Taylor, the CEO of Yellow New Zealand. You can check out more of what they're up to at yellow.co.nz. A bunch of the different marketing services and stuff there, which is super, super cool. Almost the end of the hour, but after the break, it's Ask Rebecca. Got a question that you'd like to ask me? Text me through on 3920. I can't guarantee it'll be right, but I'll give it a crack. See you in a sec, team. And now... Ask Rebecca. It's Rebecca Live, episode 319. Almost at the end of the first hour on this cruisy, cruisy Saturday. Find your local frequency at todayfm.co.nz or take us with you on the go, on the app, the Rover app, R-O-V-A. Get it from the App Store. Text me through. Uh, question time. It's time for Ask Rebet. Question. Uh, can't believe I've just... Hey, uh, what's up, Rebet? Can't believe I've just come out of the COVID fog and realised that you'd also done a social media switch off. My question, selfishly, how do you let other people know, like me, who missed your decision to reflect and give yourself some more space, especially if, like me, they were doing the same? Well, do not... So the context of this is a couple of times a year I delete my social media, literally off my phone, I just continue on with my life because I just want to. I just don't want to get addicted to the dopamine. Sometimes I just I just do it. So uh, <laughs> basically you don't need to worry about anyone. Twi you know, I'll do that twice a year. Look, if it's important, everyone will ring you. You don't owe anyone anything anytime you're doing <laughs> your social media posts. You know, it's not like... I think it just runs a risk of if you, you you don't need to announce everyone that you're flipping off off the grid or, or deleting. If it's important, they'll text you. If it's important, they'll call you. If it's important, they'll they'll email or get to you. Um, but what and if it's really important, they'll be there with you in person. But you don't need to stress around anyone for anything. You don't owe anyone anything. You do you, do your thing, stuff everything else. <laughs> That's what I do. I just literally delete. Even though I do a bunch of stuff on social media, I delete it off. I just go on with my life. And then I just come back a month or so later, and that's it. Coming up in the next hour, a whole bunch more stuff. But up now, news, sport, and weather from the crew at Today FM News Centre in Auckland. His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebet Live. Call 0800 Today FM. It is hour number two. 
Rebet Live episode 319. I hope your Saturday is rocking wherever you're at in Aotearoa. Coming up on this hour in the show for the second hour of today, uh, this week, we've got uh, we're talking burnout and workplace wellbeing. What are some of the worst sectors for staff reporting being tapped out? And what ways can bosses improve to do stuff better? Tall poppy profile is coming up. Also catching up with Paul Conway, the Reserve Bank uh, Chief Economist, and Bruce Pilbert from the Spirit of Adventure. Text me through on 3920 with a number to call through is 0800 today FM. The time now is 1.03 p.m. Rebet Live. Skill Consulting, Skills Consulting Group, sorry, uh, gives a stark warning to Canterbury businesses that don't prioritise workplace wellbeing. Organisations will be out of people and out of pocket if employers continue putting their head in the sand. The newly released data from the Skills Consulting Work Group Wellbeing Index surveying more than 800, 1,800 New Zealand workers revealed Canterbury's wellbeing score out of 100 is 56. Oh, jingle bells. Six point down from 12 months ago and one of the lowest ranked in all of the regions in Aotearoa. Jane Kennelly, the GM of Wellbeing, uh, GM of Wellbeing for Skills Consulting Group, joins me now. Kia ora, Jane. How are you? Kia ora, Robert. I am fantastic. How are you going? Rolling. Okay, so where in Aotearoa are you today and what's bubbling on this Saturday for you? Look, uh, today's been pretty easy, actually. Uh, Organising a nice morning tea for a very sick friend. So um, I've just been quietly pacing myself, which is what you have to do when you've got a weekend. Yeah. And um, and looking forward to speaking with you, I have to say. Love yeah. your show. I think you oh, do a great it. job. So big high five from me, thanks. Hey, well, um, I have no qualifications. I'm not a journalist, and I haven't done radio before, but I'm giving it a crack, and it's working out all right. So I, I just enjoy talking to a whole bunch of cool Kiwis doing cool stuff because I inquisitively get to learn a whole bunch consistently, which I'm really stoked on, which is why we're obviously talking to you, but also the uh, the insights that you've got on this because I, when I saw that data of um, down 56, six points down from 12 months ago, I'm like, oh, this is kind of not good. So maybe let's start with a simple little question. What is burnout? Well, burnout—it's really—it's quite work-related. It's this thing that happens that um, it's a work-related stress. It's a kind of a physical or emotional exhaustion that involves um, people feeling like they're just not doing a great job, and it starts to really impact their whole life. So it's—it's it's a thing we've talked about for the last few years, but boy, has it been amplified and exacerbated over the COVID time. There's no doubt about it. So. It's some really clear symptoms. We can go through those if you want to, but but it's a, it's a state of well-being. And, and when you think about people turning up to work every day and um, feeling, you know, because it is very often it's work-related, feeling like they're just not doing a great job, it's just a downward spiral. So, so we've got to call it, I think, and we've got to help organisations deal with it. So, mate, you, you said the word uh, there, Jane, symptoms. So... Let's maybe jump there for a second. You're you're a boss. You everyone's been you know getting tapped pretty hard, just getting, getting things done. What are some of these symptoms that you're talking about? And there's obviously a difference between you know having a weekend blowout or being totally stressed and having a fight with your the partner or whatever, or, but different to actual work burnout, right? So maybe talk us through some of the symptoms. Yeah. Well, I think if you think about job burnout risk factors, you know the areas that are so really evident. It's things like people having really heavy workloads and working long hours, it's one thing. Struggling with work-life balance, so you can see it's all actually leading to kind of a well-being platform. Um, there is definitely an increased issue around healthcare and certainly our index showed that government 
and healthcare workers are at most at most at risk with burnout. So, and we've seen that certainly in the media, haven't we, in recent times? Mm-hmm. And there's that also. I think the final one is people just feeling like they've got no control, or um, I just really don't understand the purpose of their work. And so, when you boil it down to those sort of four factors, you can start to see how easy it can be to actually help people get through this by doing great stuff inside organisations to help people with those factors. So, so that's a great little segue, Jane. I was actually going to ask. So when you said that we'd, you know, help uh, the this helpless thing, right? Well, so if they're working their asses off and they're working hard, but then they're still feeling helpless, is this almost like a direct correlation? And because then they're like, hey, stuff this. I've got no control. I've got all this work, blah blah. blah. I've got these crazy work hours. I've got this cr- insane workload. I've got no life balance. And then it hits a it hits a moment. It hits a point. It hits a blow up. Like how how does this? eventually usually manifests itself, you know, eight times out of ten, nine times out of ten. I mean, how does this play out usually? Wow. Yeah, I mean, right now. Uh, imagine if you were looking for a job, Roby, I bet you're not, but just imagine. And oh, I'm unemployable. Road, Jane, I'm unemployable. <laughs> I I, I'm, a, I'm an HR nightmare, but no, continue. <laughs> um, and the organisation down the road's got, like, remote working, work-life balance, They'll let you have some control about how you do your work and when you do your work. They just want you to do your work and do it really well. They're happy to support your family commitments, so it may well be that you need to sort of change your hours. Um, they've got well-being programs in action, which these days aren't... I think when, pe- when people talk about well-being, they think day start, but actually what we're talking about these days is having access to employee assistance programs so that if you have had a crisis, you can get help. Uh, and it's understanding really that individuals have got things happening in their lives and if you're able to support them to do a really great job and do you know what, actually it comes down to genuinely caring about them um, and not thinking that they're just an organi- an asset that needs to be sort of wound up every Monday so they get through to Friday afternoon. Um, if you can actually really show genuine care and it's as simple as that, people really respond to it. So. Organisations are losing people because they haven't actually worked this out and it's actually really simple. Look after your people, listen to them, learn about them, know about them, find out what they need by way of support and help provide that because they then will vote with being loyal and they'll stay mm. and you'll reduce turnover, etc. And so the story goes. And it's something so simple yet it continues to get worse and worse and kind of a, a scary one you said there one of the, the worst ones for that is the the government healthcare workers and stuff which is even crazy I mean my wife's a nurse and you know she was an emergency nurse at, at Starship and just some of the emotional weight of what that job would entail and stuff it's it's you know it's a special type of person to do I definitely um I've got a whole bunch of respect, especially for any of those first responders. So let's talk about these different sectors, right? What What are some of the yeah. worst sectors from the data that's come through that you've you've seen? You obviously, you know, surveyed more than eighteen hundred different um, businesses or workers, sorry, um, all around the show. What are some of the worst sectors for burnout? Okay, so uh, government's number one. They're oh, really feeling pressure, <laughs> I know, uh, at fifty-five percent. And following that is healthcare, which is expanding where your where your wife's partner's working. Um, and following on from that is actually education. And doesn't it just correlate to everything that we've been seeing, you know, in the media actually? And the question is, how do you get the tiger by the tail? I mean, how do you try and control it? And and one of the simple ways that you can really make an impact is to train managers on how to look after the people, because that's where I think the disconnect is. There's something going wrong in the way that we convey work or workload to our 
to employees and and perhaps these managers, these poor managers actually, who are trying to do a good job but are sort of, I don't know, barking orders. I'm, I'm, I'm generalising significantly, I have to say, but you know they actually need they need skills, techniques, and they need ways that they can get alongside their people to understand what their pressures are to see if they can try and help them. It could be something as simple as someone finishing two hours early on a Thursday. You know, mm. it, it, often it's not expensive. It's it's not bananas on the on the um, you know, in the kitchen and the staff room. But it is about really understanding the pressures that people are going through and showing genuine care. And we've done we've done a lot of research in this department. And look, I've got a surprising story for you. Would you like to hear one? Go, oh, go, go on. You've, you've had me at the hook. Of course I'm going to say yes. Okay. Go on. Okay, so fabulous roofing company. Now let's think of an organiser, you know, an area of the market that's sort of like roofing, physical hard work out in the sort of everything the weather turns on. But an organisation, and and look, he just worked out, his name's Effion, he worked out that his people were driving off at lunchtime, getting a pie and a Gatorade and sort of coming back and having a bit of a 3pm slump. And So what he decided to do was, first of all, grow vegetables, so he can give a box of fresh vegetables to all of his workers on a Friday at the end of the week to take home to the whanau. So that's number one. Number two, provide really beautiful lunches to his workers every day that includes protein and nuts, a really nutritious lunch, which is also fabulous, which leads to number three, he's now moving into a four-day working week paid for five because he's worked out that he can increase the productivity of his team without increasing their hours, the productivity of his team's over four days and then they can actually have a fifth day off, which is amazing, paid day. And then he's going to step number five, which is actually kind of teaching or coaching people on what to do on the fifth day off so they don't just go to the pub and get pissed, actually. But they might go fishing or they might go to the local school and help their kids out or volunteer. Or So how's that? This is a roofing company. You know, who would have thought? And that's, it's so possible if we get alongside people and we really understand what's happening with them. I'm still trying to work back to the fact where you've got a roofing company that's manual labour in Aotearoa paying people for five days but it's working for it, doing the four-day work week for manual labour, which technically yep. wouldn't usually be possible. Everyone that's says. wild. Exactly. People go, oh, no, that will never work. And actually, I was talking at the roofing company conference recently, Master Roofers, and interviewing um, Effion on stage about this, plus another roofing organisation, the Matamata, who were also doing something very similar around nutrition and supporting families and their kids with their school lunches. And it's like, actually, if you really weigh out the cost of that versus what he is doing with his business, he's got loyal staff, they're not leaving, they, they are doing a great job, they're doing it in four days, his customers aren't missing out, he's got a thriving business. I mean, isn't that fantastic? That's, um, I mean... Brenner, our executive producer, is just listening to this with ears wide open. He's like, "Hey, all of a sudden, this is a one of this is a tall poppy profile, which we need to be profiling on, on the show. How we're doing manual labour from five days to four, but increasing efficiency in a company with eighty percent of the time. I've, we've, that has been duly noted. That is a great, what a great, great little story there. So, I've got one thing I'm keen to ask you. Last one is, how do you think? You know, you said man- management is probably the worst issue that you that, that there's something kind of wrong or broken. What do you think? has changed with management through COVID? Like how has COVID changed leadership and management in your opinion that's making a bunch of this data go down? 
oh, look, let's talk about pressure, you know, pressure for profitability. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we want highly productive organisations that are doing really well, but they're just under so much pressure. They've had to learn how to manage teams remotely. And actually, people love working remotely. Um, they like to have it. 85% of workers have said that they would like to have the option to work uh, remotely. Not all the time, of course, but, you know, um, but these poor people, um, I think what's happened, that because the pressure is so strong, they've become quite tone deaf to what's going on around them. So if they simply took the time to actually get alongside their people every week and talk with them and find out what's going on, I mean, statistically, 68% of people don't leave an organisation, they leave their manager. Mm. And they really, I think what employers are looking for are people who want to show some genuine care. And as I say, it's not its not actually hard to do. Um, but it is about understanding what the pressures that the your employees are under and supporting those managers with the contemporary thinking around this stuff. Because I think mm. we've got a bit of a sort of a handover from days gone by, you know. I think of actually, um, I'm finishing on a kind of a bad note, really, but maybe we, we can lift it up before I go. But, um, you know, the CEO that's sending out an email saying everybody's got to come back to work now. Well, what that says is they haven't quite heard the news. The news is that trust. people do actually love being in the Yeah. Building yeah. environments of trust, you've got to get alongside your people and engage them in the conversation. <laughs> I will um, spark it a bit more positive to finish off because I'm being the radical optimist. Um, through COVID, and why I ask this, it really exposed good leaders and bad leaders, especially for the care of others and whatever. And one of the ones that popped out, which I heard from multiple people in the ecosystem, was uh, Craig Hudson from Zero and their Slack channels. He'd do like morning little one-minute videos to each of the different Slacks and stuff, talking, he'd be like in his kitchen cooking rice or doing something with his phone or whatever, and just really humanising leadership and showing care of just checking in visually so they can see them. So even though he's not physically with you know the thousands of staff all over the show as they're stuck in their different environments he's shown that it, like he's there with them it, there's no ivory tower we're in this together type thing and was actually just using constant communication almost over communication but just really humanizing leadership to, to show which was which um i thought was pretty cool and a lot of people can obviously potentially buy into as well so it doesn't feel that they were potentially alone so um but on the last two two i, finished, I bet though. his people Sorry, i bet they all jumped in to watch too you know because it's totally. so real and so authentic yeah. and so we're in it together what a what a wonderful initiative yeah um really appreciate your time thanks so much for jumping in uh jane and uh, i hope you enjoy the rest of your um the saturday and, and if it's not too too crazy you know ha have a look have a little cup of there a little chamomile tea in front of the fire kick your feet up maybe <laughs> well, a heavy so, heavy pinot yeah. noir when no one's looking I, I won't judge it's a very good idea uh, no no i'm with you all the way there and you look after yourself too make sure you you know take some time find some peace it's all good are you trying to give me an intervention from half around the world after I've just been golfing all day and crushing it? My balance is great. I mean, my, I still cheated, but I still cheated, but I definitely gave it gave it a crack. But no, I I appreciate that the, the heads up, and it's something I am very mindful of, and I actually appreciate that Dom's wellbeing show is always before mine, so I can be tuned in to listen to how I just need to try and get the woosa reset, so I don't go too rara like I did in my early twenties. So I am I'm a changed man. Well done. But I appreciate appreciate Good the check in, Jane. Love your work. Kia ora. All right. You thank go. you. Jane Kelly, what a great little banter on a Saturday. Love it. Uh, GM of Wellbeing at Skills Consulting Group. Uh, very, very cool. Time now is 1.18pm. Live from San Francisco. And streaming now on Facebook Live. It's Rebecca Live with how to turn your passion into profit. On Today FM. The show that loves tall poppies. Rebecca Live. Here's this week's tall poppy profile. All I do is win, win, win. 
and her hands go up for Tall Poppy Profile for a bit live episode 319 on Today FM. This week I'm joined by Jason Venny, the director of Covershaw. They're not your typical insurance broker. They don't want to be the ambulance at the bottom of the hill. They want to be beside their clients each step they take in their lives. Kia ora, Jace, how are you, my friend? Kia ora, brother, how are you going? I'm charging, mate, I'm charging. I, I, I hope the Saturday is going good. <laughs> where, where are you at and what's bubbling away? Uh, mate, I'm calling, I'm in, um, you're hearing me from beautiful Papakura Heights in the vibrant South Auckland, mate. And um, no, we're doing nothing, man. We're just chilling. We're just having a chillax on Saturday, family and friends. Um, how about yourself, man? I hear you've been playing a few rounds of golf today. Uh, I've been golfing, but I still, I keep, the more I golf, the same I become. I'm, I just don't get better. You know, like usually you'd practice and get better. I just overthink and it just ends you. It's, it's frustrating, mate. Golf's awesome, but, man, it sucks. But it's great, but it sucks. You know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Yeah, I feel you, man. I feel you. <laughs> hey, oh, so good stuff, man. The part of the show that this is about, it's about celebrating tall poppies or Kiwis doing cool stuff. And what I wanted to chat to you today, Jace, was because, you know, you're in the world of insurance and you're essentially a little startup, but, you know, you're a David in the world of Goliaths, of billion and trillion dollar crazy, you know, insurance companies and businesses, and it's a, it's a big, it's a big, big wide world. So let's start this. Where did the idea come from, and what made you, tr- you know, pull the trigger to try and start your own um, insurance broker? Oh man, you're not going to believe this, but it, you know, I've been in insurance about 15 years. I worked for Northern Brokerage, and then one day I just walked in and I said, you know what, I'm sick of doing the nine to five. I actually would like to be able to drop my kids off to school and pick them up. So I called my wife up and she told me to ask my dad for permission and that within that minute, man, I just resigned. Um, <laughs> just like that? Yeah, no, that's that's it, yeah, yeah. She didn't think my dad would say yes, but I called up my dad because um, I just said, look, dad, you know, I'm not happy. I just want to go. And he's like, oh, do you have another job? And I said, no, I don't. And he goes, well, will it make you happy? And um and I said, yeah, I think it will. And he just laughed and he said, yep, sweet ass, do it. And I said, well, the reason I'm calling you is because I might need you help to pay the mortgage, but I'm looking for a new job. <laughs> <laughs> and he just said, I, I got you. And then I called up my wife and told her what happened. She couldn't believe it, um, but she said, all right, then let's do it. And um, yeah, so I, I started off soul trading, doing life insurance, uh, and um, it, it just, you know, it, it, made, it made me... Um, that happy balance of being there with my kids um, and also, you know, earning an income. Um, but I'll tell you now, Robert, I, I, I had no plans to start a company. I, I, this wasn't a five-year plan. I didn't have a six-month plan when I did this. Um, my business only grew because of the first lockdown. Um, when the first lockdown happened, there was so much uncertainty. There was, you know, yeah. so much confusion. What do we do? It was that one time that I actually wished, oh, crap, I should have stayed in my job. <laughs> um, you know, that's the first time in a long time I was like, crap, I actually sort of wish I'd been back. But you know what? Just, um, I just stuck at it, just stayed true to look after my clients. And then um, I got a call from my mate saying that uh, he had lost his job uh, because of COVID. And um, I just said to him, well, look, man, um, why don't you come on board and join me for a little bit, you know, you can earn income. Um, you've got a great attitude, so you'll be awesome for the with the clients. And he's like, "Oh, mate, I I, I have no experience." And I say, "Well, it's not really about, you know, yeah, there's product knowledge, but if you've got the right heart and the right attitude, you're going to be great at this. It's about building relationships." And um, by the end of the first lockdown, I kid you not, we had a team of five. 
Um, by the end of the second lockdown, we're now the team of 10 with a presence in um, Auckland, Whanganui, Wellington, and as of a month ago, Christchurch. And um, the team's literally, it's just grown through heart just by helping people out, um, bringing on board the right people. And um, yeah, just looking, just looking true to yourselves and doing the right thing, you know. Um, what a cool, that's us cool, in a nutshell. Yeah, very cool story and journey, Jason. But maybe rewinding back to the fact of you quit your job because you didn't like the fact that you couldn't <laughs> drop your kids off at school and you wanted more time with the whanau and you f- you'd figure it out. So I guess a couple of things. Kudos for getting some of the, the balance right to realise there are different options. And secondly, props to your old man for having your back when he realised that it would make you happier to actually go do it and support that because a lot of people would not get that support from those close, especially if they don't have that security, you know, and there's, there's many people who are stuck in things they're not really happy with but they continue to do because it's all they know, you know. And so I think that the bravery that you have to do that, props and kudos, and also the support system that you've got around, the majority of people that I talk to, and I talk to a lot, don't have that. So you kind of hit stru- struck gold twice on that. It's pretty it's pretty awesome. And obviously you can the, the fruits of the labours, you know, building up to 10 people through the last couple of lockdowns and, and, and doing some good stuff. What do you think's been the biggest, I guess, you know, you just said before, Jace, that you – didn't really set out to start a company and now you've got 10 staff at a bunch of different offices all over Aotearoa and you've essentially got a, a national insurance brokerage. What's been your biggest yeah. uh, mental stumbling block or challenge that you've had to try and navigate with yourself over this last little bit? Oh, man. The the biggest challenge, um, if I'm being honest with you, is probably myself um, mm. because I went through... Um, something called imposter syndrome when, when, you know, when I started having a team, um, they would start calling me boss and um, I'd I'd start getting sick. (laughs) I would get physically sick and I wouldn't show it to the team but then it just really got to me to a point where I was like, crap, I've got to do something about this because, you know, I'm growing this business that I didn't plan to have. Um, I've got this amazing team that I really want to see succeed, yet why why do I feel like this? You know, why do I feel like um, I'm not worthy or why? Because that's genuinely how I felt. I felt like, man, I shouldn't be the CEO of, a, of an awesome, fast-growing insurance brokerage. Um, I've always just been raised to be an employee or to work for the man. And it really um, took seeking, you know, some guidance and advice um, from some people to, to say, hey, you know, that's just the way that we've grown up. You know, we've just gone to school. We've always been taught to, you know, do this, follow instructions, go, go work for the man. But when you become the man himself, far out, that's a big wake-up call. It's not, as, um, it's not as cool as a lot of people would actually think. Um, heavy lies the crown uh, yeah. my heavy lies the crown <laughs> I know <laughs> I know and um, but it, it took a lot of work um, and I think that's probably the biggest challenge is you know to accept to accept the fact that you are who you are and uh, you get, you're good at it and you know carry on um, embrace it and uh, that's something that I've done now and the, the, the outcome of that is that I've just I just feel like I'm on the path to, um, with my team, to greatness. You know, we're, we're, we've got such an awesome um, vision and we're on this mission to help everyday Kiwis live life covered. Um, and I wouldn't have, I, I feel like I wouldn't have been able to see that if I didn't get through that first major obstacle. Um, mm. 
but there's so many challenges that come on through just running the business and growing the business. It's insane. Like I had another challenge was the uh, having the come to Jesus talk with some of the people in the team, you know, when you've done a boo-boo. <laughs> um, but it has to be done, you know. Um, but it gets better and better and better as you go along that journey. Um, so I want to maybe jump there for a second. You know, you talked about just before, Jace, the, this imposter syndrome. That's with your internal you know, your, I guess, internal battles first, which you have to deal with personally. And then the external one becomes the tall poppy syndrome, which pops over after, because as soon as you start popping, then the others start hating, right? So you've got like almost the double whammy of like, you've got to believe in yourself first to pop up. And then all of a sudden, you know, and I'm sure it probably did freak you out, you know, when someone calls you boss. And I I still remember, you know, like even recently someone called me boss on this one of the things I'm involved with. And I was just like, never, ever call me that ever again you do not work for me i work with you like we work together like, i work correct. with you you know like you do not like it's and it's so funny because i just don't maybe it's just a thing for myself and yes there's obviously you know um reporting lines and stuff but in terms of power hierarchy the way i've always thought of it with anything that's popped is you know the 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 be, the best idea is the best idea regardless where it comes from and everyone's just as equal with what they have to say so it's just like stuff it it's it's always an open open slather now obviously it doesn't work when you've got you know a thousand stuff and you've got a bunch of things happening but it's just that i can imagine when you get called that and you've never been called it before all of a sudden you start to feel just this 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 kind of i guess mental weight of something which you had never felt before which probably is pretty uncomfortable but i'm stoked that you got through it for this the new vision of what you're talking about which is i was actually going to lead into you talk about this vision for you and the company with what it's going to be when you're thinking about you obviously you know started cover shore you started at zero now you're up to 10 staff what is that vision for the company which you are wanting to do yeah so we're we're on the we're on a mission but the vision is to be new zealand's most respected insurance brokerage right um that's the vision and we want to create an awesome culture where um you know Clients don't want to leave us, but we had to sort of think back, well, why do clients sign up with insurance? Why, what, what, what is it? And you can have a strong brand, but behind the brand is the advisor that's delivering that service to that client. So we focus on retaining our staff a lot. You know, we're always asking the question, well, it's great that this is going to retain our staff. Is it going to retain our clients? And then also, you know, the, we ask it the other way around as well. Um, mm. But that's our biggest vision, and we're on a mission of reaching the uninsured. Um, like, up to 80% of Kiwis in New Zealand have no form of income or mortgage protection. So that's our mission, is not to go out there selling, but to go out there educating. Um, just and, and also to drive the biggest message that it's actually okay to have insurance and that you are entitled to have insurance because we come across so many people that... Um, feel like, oh, no, insurance isn't, you know, I'm not worthy of insuring or oh, I don't really know anything about it or oh, am I allowed insurance? And it's like, hey, come on. yeah, you are, man. You know, like, this is why you deserve it. This is why you need it. Um, there's a lot of big picture stuff that we're trying to achieve. Um, but that's the, at the core, that's what we're trying to do. I love it. Um, so before we go, got to give you a little shout out here. If people want to go check out what you're up to with Covershaw, where can they go to? What can they do? Um, you can check us out on our uh, website, www.covershore.co.nz. Uh, we also have an awesome uh, Facebook page. Um, just hit up Covershore. Um, search us on um, 
on Facebook. We have an Instagram page, and I think one of our teams also just started uh, LinkedIn, and I believe oh, started um, TikTok. Um, so that's also on um, Undercover Show as well. And if you guys want to reach out um, personally, just reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, you know, we're approachable. That's 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 what we do. It's okay oh, with man. that. There you go. Hey, I really appreciate your time. Congrats on the awesome success and um, and give you some flowers for all you've done and uh, been today's Tall Poppy Profile, man. Good on you. Keep smashing. I'll talk to you soon. Man, that's us. Have a good one, mate. Take care. Thank you. Rock and roll. There you go. Jason Venu, the CEO and founder and director of Covershaw Cool uh, Insurance Brokerage that's smashing away. And for today's Tall Poppy Profile, time now is... 12. Oh, no, it's not even 12. It's 1.33 p.m. <laughs> His goal, to destroy the tall poppy syndrome. His platform, Today FM. This is Rebette Live. Call 0800 Today FM. It's Rebette Live, episode 319, 319 on Today FM. Hope your Saturday is charging. It's time to catch up with Paul Conway. He is the... Uh, Chief Economist for the Reserve Bank of Aotearoa, New Zealand. Super, super cool. And I hope he's going to be wrong. So, how are you, Paul? Oh, g'day, Rebet. I'm, I'm good, thanks. Settling in for a, uh, a long weekend up in Titai Tokoro. A little bit of uh, winter beach action coming my way. That goes, that's like two contradictions. Winter beach action. What, what happens? You, you got the, the scarves and the, and the gloves going playing, doing sandcastles. What you, what you, oh, what's the winter beach I, I, action? I love a walk. I love a walk on the beach in winter, and I'm going to have a midwinter swim as well. Dude, you're braver than I am. Jingle bells. You, you, you go. Are you into those like those cool, uh, those cold bath things to reset mentally? All that stuff. You're into that? Yeah, I'd love to do that. I'd love, I'd love there to get go. into that. I try. I sit in the shower, going, "This is the bit where people turn it on to cold," and I can't quite get there. But I, I, I think I would love to get up to is it Alaska, or Canada, oh, where you geez. can sit in ice bath. I think it'd be very, very therapeutic. Definitely. All right. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not tr- too sure how we segue from ice baths into um, uh, geopolitical landscapes and, and all sorts of stuff. But what's on your mind this week? What do you want to talk about? Um, yeah. Well, I've been thinking about that. I sort of think from about Wednesday, I start to think what, what would be good to talk about with Rebet. And you know, there's plenty of economics uh, going down uh, around the world, so there's no shortage of ap- action uh, or options at least. I, I thought maybe we should talk about, I don't know, geopolitics, because I see the Russians have turned off the gas supply to Germany for 10 days of scheduled maintenance, but the Germans are worried that they won't turn it back on, so that's pretty full on. Or I thought we could talk about the bank run uh, in China, so people lining up outside some of the banks there demanding their money and getting a bit ugly, that's pretty full on. I I should say our banks here in Aotearoa are very secure. Uh, or we could talk about the tech crash. I, I see a, a, a buy now, pay later business in Europe was valued at 46 billion US dollars, uh, and it's not so long ago. And just this week, it got slashed to seven billion. So that's a huge crash going down there. That's yeah. pretty full on. Uh, but then I thought, well, maybe we could talk about demographics. Well, you're you're taking me down a pathway of depression for a second. So yeah, sure, let's go demo. Let's go demo. Happy with that. Yeah, demographics. So, yeah, it's, I mean, slow-moving sort of stuff, demographics, how populations sort of change uh, around the globe. And the, the UN uh, put out a report uh, on it today with their population projections, which I, I actually thought was pretty interesting. So just sort of headline numbers from that. Uh, the global population is going to hit 8 billion people on November the 15th uh, this year. So that day is 8 billion 
people in the species day. Uh, and then they project that the global population is going to keep growing to about 10.5 billion people, or 10.4 billion people by the by the mid-2080s. So that's about 60 years away. Uh, and then they're saying that global population will sit roughly at that level, 10.5 billion people, to the end of the century and sort of start to slowly decline uh, from there. So, yeah, population is going to keep growing for the next uh, 60 years, but much more slower than in the past, and then it's going to peter out. So there's, you know, a, a, a dramatic decline uh, in the number of babies uh, that each woman has uh, on average over, over the next little while. All right. So population's going up, but then the number of uh, children per woman's declining. So is that yeah. that good or bad? It sounds kind of goodish for climate change, maybe. What is that good or bad? Well, yeah. Are we walking? Yeah, like like personally, I I think it's good because exactly as you say, Rebecca, less pressure on on the planet. Um, but you know, some people worry about economies shrinking. Uh, and there being no no one around to sort of look after the old people. But, yeah, I, I think that hopefully, you know, less population pressure will get us living within the ecological envelope uh, of the planet. And I should say, you know, the birth rate, it's been falling for decades. Uh, so in the 50s, the 1950s, the average uh, woman had, had five kids. Well, you know, there, there is no average woman. So, so women on average had five kids. Uh, but on average now, it's about two and a half uh, kids per, per woman, so less than half. And the UN is saying by 2050, uh, it'll be about 2.1 babies per lady. So the number of births then will just be offsetting the number of deaths, which is when population sort of starts to peak. Uh, of course, you know, it depends where you are uh, on the planet. So the Chinese population is forecast to start shrinking in the next year or so. Uh, and in fact, 2028, uh, India has, is going to have a bigger population than China. So India is going to become the most populous country uh, on the planet. And India is going to keep powering on from, from there because they've got a pretty young population, uh, whereas China is going to keep uh, getting smaller. Well, they obviously had the big run through, through the 90s and all, and all the rest of it, and obviously they'd been doing a bunch of limitations with families and, and all that. So is yeah, that quite like India overtaking... Yeah, India overtaken in 28. So is this is this kind of a big deal? Is this some type of like shift in power with how it translates and trickles down to the economy and stuff? Like, yeah. how do you think it's going to play out? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's sort of a slow-moving uh, big deal. Like, like, I think there's a few things in here that are, that are particularly interesting. So first of all, the global population isn't going to keep uh, going up. You know, we're going to start to shrink as a species, which, you know, I think that's quite a big deal. And we're also going to see big shifts in the relative size of populations around the planet. So Africa uh, is going to keep growing strongly for ages because they've got a very young uh, population there, lots of lots of young women having babies. So, so currently, uh, Africans make up about a seventh of the world population, but by uh, 2050, uh, that is going to be a fifth. The Africans will be a fifth of the population. Uh, and at the end of this century, by 2100, uh, a quarter of the population will be from Africa. 25% of the global population will be Africa. So we're going to get a huge demographic surge coming out of Africa, uh, whereas other places are going to shrink uh, as a share of the world population. So East Asia, China, um, Europe, you know, are going to start getting much smaller as a share of the global population. In fact, Europe, uh, their population is starting to shrink uh, from about now 
uh, I think. Oh, and the other thing that's interesting about all of this is that we're going to get older uh, on average. So populations are going to age with less uh, babies coming on stream. Uh, and plus we're getting a better health care and looking after ourselves, so we are living longer. Uh, so people that are aged 65 years or older are currently 10% uh, of the global population, and by 2050 they will be 16% uh, of the global population. So for every 10 older people that you see now, uh, there'll be 16 of them uh, in 2050. And, some, and in some places it gets up to as high as like 27% uh, of the population being 65 plus uh, by then. I, you know, I think that's quite a big deal. I think we'll, we'll notice that. Uh, well, you know, I'll, I'll be one uh, of the 65-plus uh, people by then, so that's good. I'll have heaps of mates. Uh, and your generation, Roberta, and, you know, younger generations will, will you know, you'll definitely notice a bit more grey uh, around the place. Well, my translation for that, I'm just thinking, maybe that's a good thing. There's going to be way more golf courses for me to have a hit at in the future. There'll be, there'll be more, more. And But also, when you're talking about like demographics and you're talking about these numbers, isn't it such a weird thing to when you hear phrases like, oh, you're going to have more of these humans coming on stream, and yeah, we've got these numbers and this and that, but you can actually just predict it out as it all happens. It's quite, when you zoom all the way out, it's interesting to see the 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 trickle-down effects of the power shifts and dynamics of economies, which is going to happen globally over the next, say, definitely, you know, in the next, you know, 10, 20, 30 years to see that shift where that, that's quite, um, there's going to be some big changes for how the world almost operates and looks um, economically, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's a fundamental uh, shift. You know, as I said, it's, it's slow moving. But, and these, you know, demographics, uh, are reasonably easy to predict because, as I said, they're slow-moving. Uh, they don't sort of change that much uh, mm. over, over time. So these predictions are reasonably accurate as far as kind of economically-type predictions go. You know, in terms of you know, what the economics of this is, it sort of means you know, in places like Europe, uh, it's going to be you know, declining less workers per pensioner sort of thing. So you know, building economies, that sustain us, that serve us, without requiring heaps of workers, uh, is going to be the challenge there, along with uh, rising health health costs, of course. And, and you know, in places like Africa, or you know, Africa in particular, where there's heaps of young people, heaps of young workers, you know, that 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 can be it can be a demographic uh, dividend there. So that can lead to a you know a cracking uh, economy, a better economy for for those guys if if they can kind of get it together and educate. Uh, that population growth. So the trick there is population growth without increased poverty. That's kind of the African challenge. And I think, you know, more broadly for all of us, we're talking about an extra 2.5 billion people uh, by 2080. So we obviously need to get our act together uh, on climate change so that we can absorb that that rise uh, between now and then without sort of cooking the planet. And I think, you know, if we can do that and get over that hump in population and start to sort of come down the other side, you know, we should be all good from a climate change perspective. We should be at one, uh, living uh, in harmony with uh, with nature, as, as I'm about to do. I jump in the sea at Mangafai. Mate, uh, I, I love it. Hey, always uh, very interesting talking to you when just zooming out and seeing sort of generationally with numbers with how that looks like and to think what the world will actually, you know, be operating like in 50 years' time is something that I don't yeah. really... Haven't thought about yeah. it too much, but economics. really, economics, mate. It's all in there. It's all these numbers. You see, <laughs> I knew it would help. Um, enjoy the rest of the weekend, bro, and I'll talk to you soon, legend. I will. Cheers, Rebecca. Cheers. Thanks a lot. See you soon.
What an absolute champion there. The broke Paul Conway, Chief Economist from the Reserve Bank of Aotearoa New Zealand Supercall. Uh, don't forget, you can text me through on 3920. Coming after the break, as we're about to wrap up the show, we've got banter with Bruce, CEO of Spirit of Adventure. The time now is 1.48pm. Mentor. Sherpa. Counselor. Nah, just a clever guy doing cool shit. It's Rebet Live. On Today FM. Welcome back to Rebet Live, episode 319 on Today FM. It's time now where we catch up with the bro, Bruce Pelbrough, the CEO of Spirit of Adventure. Joins me every week to have a bit of a banter, share some nuggets of wisdom with what's bubbling away. Welcome to the show, Bruce. G'day. How you doing, Rebet? You good? I am charging. And uh, how is the Saturday going? What are you doing? Where are you, are you? Have you got your feet up? You're on a boat somewhere overlooking the harbour, doing something <laughs> fancy. How awesome is your no, life today? You. Make us jealous. I'm not as... <laughs> I'm actually sitting in the passenger seat. My lovely wife, Amanda, is driving the car. We're just coming over the Harbour Bridge, and um, our daughter's just moved into a new flat, so we just went and checked it out. So, um, yeah, no, it's, it's a nice day. Nice day in Tamaki, Tamaki Makoro today. There you go. All right, so what's probably on your mind this week, my friend? Well, again, not to be uh, to make you jealous or anything, but I have just had a holiday and um, uh, sort of took a week off, and, um, and we got on a plane and we went out to one of the islands uh, in the Pacific, New Caledonia, um, and there were two was cool it? things about that. What was that? Was it New Caledonia? Yeah, it was New Caledonia. Very cool place, actually. Mm. Really loved it. Really culturally quite quite a cool place. But I guess there was a couple, was a couple of things I've been reflecting on. Number one, um, it was the first time I've been on an international flight since um, 2019, actually, end of 2019. And I don't know about others, but I've, I've, kind, of, I've kind of felt trapped. And so mm. by actually doing that, it's actually made me feel less trapped, which is a really cool thing. Um, but I realise that not everyone can do that. But I guess the other second thing of that is I actually took a week off and turned everything off, like everything. You know, you couldn't call me, um, social media, um, emails, just I, I set things up at work. You can't get hold of me. And i just thinking about that is the power of, well, firstly, I didn't realise how tired I was. Uh, but mm-hmm. two, the power of actually taking a really well-earned or a really, you know, a, a really focused on having a good rest, resting our bodies and souls, um, and especially at the moment, right? So deep, deep rest. So you, so you actually switched off. So no emails, no work, no nothing, no laptops, no pissing around, like nothing. physical, nothing. just literally locked down. Yep. Good on you. Yep. Did your did your brain read, get read a, a bit? Read a couple of crazy f- books. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what okay, what was the worst okay, what what book shouldn't we read? We'll do a little not learn share repeat. Oh, no, actually, no, I, I, both books are good. I read David Bedelshi's new book, Six Twenty Man, and then I read um uh John Connolly book. No, I mean I mean I guess, you know, you're so focused on work and things that you don't sort of I'm not very good at resting. It's part of my personality. I, I find it very hard to actually switch off and stop. So to actually lie there in the in a place all day or go for long walks and stuff like that. But, it's, but that's not the key of the rest. The key of the rest for me was actually turning off the digital world, turning off everything yeah. that, that loves to interrupt us all the time. Uh, and I guess my challenge to people is, you know, what are you doing or how are you doing it? You don't necessarily need to go offshore, but you do need to be thinking about how do you actually stop and have a genuine rest. Mm. Did you find that your headspace creatively or strategically went to better, deeper levels when you had more spare space for your actual your brain time? Did you actually did you think yeah, it's, get it's better? Yeah, good question. I kind yeah. of yeah, I kind of didn't allow it to do that either. So what? I just thought about dolphins <laughs> and penguins. No, honestly, <laughs> I, I, I I forced myself to have a rest, and um, 
And uh, I find now that I've come back, I'm firing on all cylinders and the creativity is starting to flow again um, um, because my brain actually stopped. And I think that's the problem, mate, and you've got the same problem, is that you just don't know how to stop. And we um, need to learn how to stop. Um, because, you know, and, and, a, and a real key thing to our course is that you trust your team. You have a good team. Um, you know, I could trust my team. I could, I could delegate to them. I put an acting CEO and I said, you guys have got this. I believe in you. I'm out of here. Um, and I just think with everything that's been going on for the last sort of two years, is how many of us have actually stopped and had a decent rest? And I would argue that not many of us have. And I can tell you now from doing it, best thing we ever did. Well, it's also that thing when you physically detach away, but then you've got a commitment and trust of those and around you and their team. Logistically, yeah. your headspace gets like, I know as soon as I start, I hadn't obviously through COVID, no one was traveling, but when I took my first flight, it felt different. Like when I actually moved, when I, when yeah. I left the city for the first time in over a year, it felt different. When I felt, saw new things, my brain yeah. started re- rewiring and I started to, um, I mean, I definitely know, and I think everyone's feeling that as, as the world sort of opens back up and they start moving and traveling and getting around a, a little bit more too. But I think probably the, the point yeah. of that, Bruce, was, was you've obviously had a commitment with you and your team and you had a trust in your team to actually be able to execute so you can 100%. turn everything off, right? So that, there's probably a bit of insight there too around making sure you got the team tight. Yeah, and, and, and I guess I'll question you if, if you can't turn turn uh, if you can't turn yourself off and leave it to your team, then you've actually got bigger problems to solve. Mm. Because you know, if, if the business or whatever you do completely hinges on you and it's only on you, then then my challenge to you is, or oh, what are you doing wrong that's not enabling the team, or, or who have you got on the team that's not right or fit for purpose mm. uh, to enable you to do that? Because as leaders, you know. I need to be thinking sharply. I need to be active. I need to be a visionary, a strategist, and all those things. Um, but I can't do that if I'm absolutely stuffed. Uh, and mm-hmm. so ultimately, I affect the team negatively and the business negatively anyway. So I'm only saying to people, seven days. I mean, I'm not saying go away for three months. I'm saying seven days, switch off. What does it do? Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and one of the things that we're, sorry, what are you going to say? I was just going to say, part of your switching off you talked about is you've got the, um, uh, you're ditching, you're raising funds because you're ditching all your social media, <laughs> doing some stuff. So let's go there. You wanted to switch off, and here we are. You've, you yeah, yeah. you've raised, you had a goal. You've already bumped the goal up. You're at fifty hundred. I thought we were there, and then all of a sudden, you've 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 raised it on us. Go on, I'm going for more. I'm going for more. No, so one of the things we do on the ship is that when a young person comes on, they have to ditch their device for ten days. And what we're saying to them is that trust us. If we turn off this world for you, you'll you'll see gold, and they do because they have to have real relationships, real conversations and deal with life face-to-face, not over social or anything like that. So we've come up with a campaign called Dish, uh, Ditch the Device, and to find it, it's dish, uh, ditch-the-device.razorly.com. And the whole idea is, is it's encouraging you to raise money for the spirit, but ultimately in the, the day, it's encouraging you to stop something for 10 days. So social, mm-hmm. Netflix, you might be able to put your phone down, uh, you might be able to, you know, whatever, whatever it is for you in the digital space, what can you drop for 10 days and just stop. And then I'd love to hear from you in 10 days' time as to, um, you know, what a difference that makes. Um, I mean, I've seen you do it from time to time, a bit. You'll just switch off media, you know. You'll just switch off. Yeah. And you come back months. firing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you'll come back, you'll, you'll come back firing, right? Um, so we've, we've started a campaign. We started on Friday. Uh, thanks for your donation, mate. I really appreciate that. Um, but, um, but really, we're just trying to get people to think about these things and go, actually... Usually the person that stops you from having a rest, I'm sorry to say, is you. Mm, because you think that. you're important, you think you need it, you know, and actually 
if you stop for seven days, you'll become better. I get it. On that, my friend, yeah. we'll be leaving you to it. Enjoy the rest of the Saturday. Rest, Reese. You go ditch dash the dash device.raisley.com. Support some uh, cash there for the Spirit Adventure. Appreciate you, Bruce. Thanks for joining in. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in today. Hope it's been a good one. I've enjoyed it. Talked to some absolute weapons today. A whole bunch of cool things happen. Bad things, worse for burnout, government, healthcare, and education. Shingle bells. Have a good day, team. Peace.